And welcome back, team, to the 90 or Nothing podcast show. What a huge time of the year. You know, we're getting close to Christmas, but it still feels like it's as busy as ever with everything going on around here. A big highlight of this at the moment is the NCHA Futurity over in Fort Worth. Make sure you jump on our Facebook page. We'll be keep doing our best to keep you guys updated with the little scores happening along. Also, massive shout-out to all the Aussies over there competing. I know a few have flown over there, such as the likes of Hugh Miles, Todd Graham, Dean Holden. But there's also a fair few blokes that moved over there, such as Johnny Mitchell, Sean Ed Flynn, Hayden Upton, Spud Sheehan, and also another big shout-out to Ben Royal. We're certainly enjoying watching them all on Cutting Horse Central, so jump on their website and watch the live stream. And yeah, good luck, you guys. We're all wishing you all the best and hope hope you really enjoy your time over there. Unfortunately, in Australia, the drought is still taking its toll and everyone's just about sick of it. I know I certainly am and know plenty of people that are. Somehow, there are still a few camp drafts running. So big shout out to all the committees that are managing to put all these events together, finding the cattle and a huge shout out, of course, to the donors that are doing doing this for the community. It's just a wonderful thing. Also, though, in the mix of this all, something a bit different. A relatively new sport has been introduced to Australia and it's known as the reined cow horse. Now it originated in America and did start up here in the 70s however sort of dwindled out a little but it's made a huge comeback with a few associations getting it together and they're doing a wonderful job and and on this weekend we managed to duck down to Scone White Park to watch the Australian Rain Cow Horse Association National Finals. And what a great weekend it was. There was certainly some good competition, some great events, and it was just awesome to see some really well-trained horses work out of the herd, go down the fence, and then put together a really nice reining pattern. While I was there, I managed to catch up with the horse trainer, Quinton Stapledon. Now, Quinton's from southern New South Wales, and he talks to us a little bit about what's involved in training a reined cow horse. And trust me, there's a bit to it. However, he also stressed that though it's just starting up in Australia, there is a class for everyone. So he was very encouraging for everyone to get involved and to have a go because it really is a truly great sport and no matter what level you're at, you can come, join and have a go. So we do hope you enjoy this awesome episode with our great friend Quinton Stapledon. Huge shout out to you, mate. Thank you very much for dropping in and talking with us. And this is all proudly brought to you and made possible by our great sponsors, Camp Draft Training Online and Select Size. We hope you enjoy. Well, guys, we're joined here with Quinton Stapleton at the ARCHA National Show in Scone. Uh, it's the first national show for the cow horse competition. And uh, Quinton's here and he's brought five horses. Thanks for joining us, Quinton. Oh, thanks for having me, Paxton. You've done a great job with your podcasts, and you've had some, just some fantastic people in the industry on here. I've enjoyed listening to them. Thanks for having me. No, excited to have you. Like we've definitely, you know, we we've covered a few camp draft, few cutting, but we definitely want to get into this cow horse scene. And you're, um, you know, fairly dominant in here and compete a lot. And we, yeah, just really keen to catch up. Well, mate, it's a it's a sport that's um, just sort of kicking off again in Australia. Yep. It was big in the 70s and right. 80s and, um, you know, just kicking off again now and it's just great to see. Mm. Well, certainly um, it's great that these guys started up again and, um, 
you know, it's it's definitely been a great show so far. How how many horses you brought up here? Yeah, so we brought five. Right. Um, I've got three of my clients' horses and a couple of my own. Yeah. Um, and you know, we we, we showed two Hackamore horses. We showed three in the two-handed class. We showed couple in the bridal spectacular yeah so we were hopping i think we had like 13 runs yesterday Golly. we were busy Golly. really really busy there's a fair bit going into that then yeah yeah there was it was a lot yeah a well we're certainly glad to have you up here how far is the drive from where it's home uh we're, we're from oberon yeah new south wales it's a, probably five hours it'll be a five hour drive towing back to back home oh so you come a long way yeah <laughs> yeah with the, the oberon camp drafts on this weekend and um would have been easy to just to drive to town to go to the draft, but yeah, um, cow horses, yeah, the passion. That's yeah, it's my passion for sure. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And there's a bit of money up here for grabs, I must say. The checks have been impressive. Yeah, you know, we Beck gave us our checks last night from for the weekend, and yeah, pretty darn good. Yeah, for a first national show, they've certainly done a great job. They have. Yeah, absolutely. They have, and they've had some great prizes. There's buckles up on every class, three saddles. Yep. You know, what more can you ask for? Hmm. Why do you think, just going back a bit, why do you think that um, when they did start the sport in the 70s, why do you reckon it sort of dwindled out a little? Um, obviously, I wasn't around, but talking to the guys that used to train, yep. um, I think the non-pro cutting sort of contributed to that. Um, it's easier... I don't want to say it's easier to train a cutting horse because it is not. I always struggle with it. It's very, very hard. Um, but I think those guys' point of view was it was easier to train a horse for one event yep. than three. Yep. And and training horses for non-pros to just go cut was easier than training horses to do three events for a non-pro. Yep. Um, but, yeah, you'd have to talk to some of them old guys. Yep. You know. But it's certainly making a comeback, you reckon? Yeah, it's 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 a good start. Yeah, it's a good start. You know, there's there's different crews running shows um, down home. The Central West Cow Horse that Wilbur and Kaz Thornbury run the last two years has just been awesome. Really, the shows have been great. Um, you know, and the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what really makes it different to the other events is everybody helps everybody. Yeah. We're just kind of like one big happy family in a way because we're all mates and um, we can come out of there and, and and talk to the other guys training horses and they'll help you and they'll be like, well, what did you think of that? Um, you know, it's, it's nothing. There's no secret service involved in this deal. Everyone's just happy for everybody else to, to do well and, yep. and that's a good feeling. Yeah, well, I guess because it's fairly new in Australia, people, you know, are sort of combining to just get the best they can so far absolutely yeah yeah yep. no that's awesome so where where you said you're from Oberon have you always lived there always born and bred there mate in the Bo- cold country born yeah. and bred yeah. it's freezing down there isn't it <laughs> yeah it's a, the winters can be pretty tough yeah without an indoor arena I tell you <laughs> I'll bet yeah, our, our arena is at a thousand and forty meters elevation so we get a few snow, oh. snowfalls every year jeez yeah yeah, well, I know this year, earlier the year, um, there was a cow horse event here in Scone, and you couldn't get here because you were snowed in. Yeah, we got snowed in. Yeah, yeah, same deal. We were bringing five horses up here for that, and yeah, keen as mustard, and then um, the day before, we got hammered. <laughs> we had about six inches of snow. Far out. And uh, slowed everything. Yeah, right. So we stayed home by the fire. Yeah, no, well, very good call. <laughs> um, so you grew up in Oberon. You schooled there through there, and yep. um, did you get, go to uni or anything like no, that? No, mate. 
Yep, no, st- straight no. into it, into the horses. Uh, pretty much. I was a uh, when I left school. I was always been into the horses, but when I left school, I just went shearing with my dad. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Learned to shear, and I was a shearer for sort of six years. Right. Yep. So growing up riding horses, what was the main discipline you were doing then? We, we drafted. Yep. Yep. All my life. Yep. You know, I had my first camp draft run, I think, when I was five, and that was before they brought in the rule that you had to be like eight. Yeah, right. You know, I had a little grey pony, had, had a little camp draft in Rockley, which is a little village near home. Yep. They don't even have the draft anymore, but... Wow. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So um, were you sort of in a more of stock horse family growing yep. up? Yep, yep, yep. And, and we actually had Appaloosas. Right. My dad had Appaloosa Stallion. Um, not your typical Appy. Like, he, he could run a cow and he could work a cow and yep. beautiful big typey horse. He was about, oh, from memory, he was about 15, one tall, big, nice horse. And we had some stock horse mares. And, yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So that's sort of where the passion started out. That's where it started. Yeah. That's where it started, yep. And you're always drawn to that sort of cow horse sport a bit more. Yeah, we always... Um, at the camp drafts growing up, always would come to the camp to watch those horses that worked a cow. Yeah. You know, that, that was always very interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing that connection. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than just bouncing them off the panels and, and just having that horse just sit down and get bright and excited about his job. That, yeah. That's kind of where it started for me to get interested in it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Eh? So then... Um, from there, where did you go after after school? Did you go straight into training horses or what happened? Yeah, well, I, I left school, went shearing for a good, you know, like I said, probably six years. And, um, yep. and um, we were actually, how it started as far as the horse training, we were at Gundagai Camp Draft. And Tom Sheehan, who's Bud's dad, yeah, said yep. to me, I heard you going to the States. And I said, well, no, Tom, I'd, but I'd like to. He said, I'll sort it out. Yeah. So he, um, he, teed, he called Spud and teed me up a... A job over there starting horses on a ranch in Ashdown, Arkansas. Right. So we went over there and... How old were you at this age? Uh, 21. Yeah, right. Yeah, I was 21. Um, and that was quite the education. When yeah. you think you can break in a quiet horse when you go over there and, t- you know, trying to handle these five and six-year-old big, strong ranch horses. They had a son of um, Peppy Sam Badger, so them buggers could buck. Really? <laughs> yep. And uh, that was quite... Yeah. Yeah, I learned a lot. Yeah. I learned a lot. I had to figure out real quick that there's a better way to go about this because you you were going to get bucked off. <laughs> well, there's no way you would be able to muscle them out. You can't. No, you had to use your head. Yeah. And that's where it got to where, yeah, you know, there's got to be a, a cleverer way to do this. Yeah. So, that didn't matter with our quiet horses. And we didn't necessarily muscle them around, but they were just easy to handle. We yeah. had really nice quiet horses so they weren't a problem you know yeah yeah so pretty big eye opener over there huge eye opener <laughs> that's interesting huge so how many horses would you say would we break starting over there over there oh we weren't starting big numbers like we'd only have four or five yeah and plus doing doing the ranch work and yeah you know gathering cattle and branding and all that fun stuff right yeah, right that was cool to see yeah it would have been mm. definitely so whereabouts did you say it was in arkansas it was across the red river Oh, like right. My eh? house was stone's throw from Texas. Right, Just right there behind the house was the Red River, and it's, oh. that's the basic of the state line to Texas, yeah. Wow, that would have been good. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, it yeah. would have been pretty cool scenery around there. Yeah, like, it has not a lot, a lot of pretty scenery Yeah, in in that part of Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas, and, and that was some pretty scenery when we got to go up there, And but the real scenery's up in, up in the mountains when we're in Montana. Yeah, okay. That was, 
So then where'd you go from that place? Yeah, well, we, we ended up, um, we come home for a bit and then um, went back to a little town called Eureka, Montana. Yeah. Because when we are in Texas, I, I had met Bob Pecora, who was kind of my main mentor with horse training. I'd met him. He was down there and he went back to Montana and right. um, called me up while we were back in Australia and said, come on back. So we really? went back there. And, yep. And so he was a cow horse trainer? Or, yep. 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 He, he, he had spent a lot of time with um, Greg Ward and them guys, and and he used to uh, work for Bob Avila riding these Bob's two-year-olds and different stuff. And, right. And, uh, yeah, it was, that was that was the best thing really happened was getting hooked up with him because he was more like one of my best mates than someone you work for. Right. Just a hell of a good mentor. Really, yeah, okay. So what was the sort of facility there, the setup and Well, up in Montana Bob built a new facility not you know, when we got there he's pretty much um just built a new facility from scratch. Yep. Just a nice tidy little family run facility, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And yep. how many sort of ho- horses was he training at the time? Oh from from memory, you know, Bob would have anywhere from half a dozen to to a dozen horses there. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um and um, and they up in that country, it wasn't just cow horses, we, you'd, you'd have to ride whatever you could, you know. Yeah, okay, like us here. Yeah, you know, when you're kind of training horses in Australia, you take whatever you can. Yeah, you know, unless you're one of the elite guys riding cutting horses or drafting, you got to ride what you got to ride to pay the bills, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, why, what was the attraction, initial attraction over there? Like, why? Why did you think that over there would be so beneficial for you? Uh, I think we all, because of how, you know, I guess the publicity and the things we see in the States, how everything's bigger and better and yep. it's just, we've all kind of had that, well, most of us, I guess, have had that kind of mentality Yeah. and um, it's just a great place to go and, yeah. you know, get your ass kicked and learn and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, do all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So how long did you spend there? We were there for, yeah, nearly two years. Two years. Yep. Right. Right. Yeah, um, my wife Beck was she come with me the the second time I was over there. Yeah, we were in Montana. She was with me. Right, in right. Montana for a year. Yep, which was pretty good. Definitely would have been pretty enjoyable then. It was. It yeah. was. We we didn't get to do the things that you think you'd like to do when you go to America. Like uh, Beck always wanted to go um, to Disneyland and you know Niagara Falls and all that cool stuff. We didn't get to be tourists. Yeah, <laughs> you know, all we did was work. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, yeah, but maybe one day. Yeah, when we're rich. Yeah, that's it. Well, I'll never do it being an Australia. <laughs> oh, that's all right. So then then did you move back home? Yep. And then you started up horse training Yeah, home. well, I, I worked for, for come back home and worked for Bradley's Flats Pasture Company because they had a cutting horse operation. Yep. Uh, went back there and started all the two-year-olds for oh, nearly two years. I worked there. Yep. And I got um, kicked and had had uh, smashed my tibia starting a horse one day and um so I, yeah that finished me up there right you know, I, I, I was off work i didn't walk for four months golly I had surgery on that and plate and pins and everything um so that slowed me up and and to be honest you know we uh my wife was pregnant and we thought well you know we might um try and do our own thing and try and make a bit more money because when you you know on wages you don't earn a lot yeah and um, so we decided after I healed up that we'd start breaking in for the public and just, yeah, made our own business. Yeah. 
Yeah. So how long have you been training now for yourself? Uh, for the public since 2010. Yep, yep. Yep. Yeah, right. So you're nine years into it. Nine years into our, our own business. Yep. yep, and it's all been going well? It's going well, but it's been a hard slog. Yep. There's no doubt about it. Like I said a minute ago, you you ride what you got to ride. Yep. You know, you'll, you'll take anything from... I rode a lot of Endurance Arabians, like I broke in a lot of those. Um, you know, big strong horses unhandled five and six year old, and um, yeah, you know what they will give you an education, yeah, right. Um, because everybody knows what Arabians are like, they've got quite a quite a reactive instinct to them, yeah. Um, it's a good way to describe them, I suppose, yeah. And um, that was, yeah, learn a lot dealing with those sort of horses, yep. Um, and then you'll ride horses, you'll have a lady call you with a standard bread that's 10 year old and say, I can't make him canter, so you'll be like, okay. I'll do my best. Yeah, you know? right. Yep, yep. You know, just, just because you need to put food on the table, so. Yeah, okay. Yep. Just got to take what you got. Take what, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's pretty, it's a pretty um, horse country down there, isn't it? Yeah. Still? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Like, yep. Pretty historical area down there for it. Yeah. So I imagine there's plenty down there. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yep, there is. And, and we're lucky, you know, now, like we've got clients as far away as, you know, Rockhampton. We've right. got other clients from the Mornington Peninsula. Yep. Melbourne. Yeah, so they come from all sorts of different places and backgrounds. It's it's it, it'd be a podcast in itself talking about you know all our you know people's clients and their backgrounds and and different stuff. Definitely, definitely. So, do you breed many horses at home? We we um, play around with it. It's a hobby. This breeding's a yeah. It's a bit of a game, isn't it? You know, we have yeah. a, a a stallion that we're pretty fond of a son rs chisholm so we breed a few men of just our own mares we don't stand him to the public yeah we just have him um just to so i've got horses to train and, and take yeah. through the you know take through the futurities and different stuff yeah i know it's a bit broad but sort of what what line of horses have you found are suiting this cow horse deal um you know any of the cutting bloodlines yeah um personally for the rain cow horse, I, my philosophy on it is I want a cutting horse with handle. Yep. So I, I breeding a, a cow horse, I, I would be looking at that. Yep. Any of the cutting horse, you know, or, or cow related bloodlines, you know, that's, you know, a broad, like you said, it's yeah. a very broad answer to that question, but um, that's, you know. Well, they're going to have to have a pretty good front, on, front end on them because they're going to have to run a circle. Sure. Sure. Yeah. 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 All that. All that comes into it. So you got to be selective about what you break to what. But um, yeah, you just do your research and, and have a good look at, at, at what you're breeding to. I, I like particularly like some of the older bloodlines. If you can get get some of them old mares with a bit of wagon cook and Easter checks and that that stuff, they were really really true cow horses. Yep. yep. Um, bit of that older stuff. Obviously, the the Doc Spinifex bloodlines are pretty special. Yeah, pretty nice to have. Oh yeah, pretty special, and I'm lucky because my stud horse is out of a Doc Spinifex mare, and yep. that's a contributing factor to him, I guess. Yeah, obviously the cow horse, it's three different sections. Yep. And it's very, it's difficult to train one section, let alone yep. three. Yep. It is. So how do you how do you go about that? <laughs> try personally, we just try and get them real broke. Yep. And then get them to work a cow. Yep. So there you've got it. That's it in a nutshell. If you get them real broke to wear horses with you and um, kind of in tune with with what you're asking him to do and relaxed about 
being asked to do something, yeah. and then you can, you know, put that across to, to work a cow. Uh, our horses have got to be able to work a cow and accept being pulled on. Yeah. Or accept help might be a better way to put it than just being pulled on. Um, whereas, like, you know, you, when you're straight cutting, you, you can't use your hands when you're showing. Yeah. So the idea is, I guess, to just have them work the cow by themselves with limited amount of help. Yeah. Um, but we try and approach uh, the training with a kind of a three days kind of a deal where we'll, right. work, we'll, we'll do the dry work or the rain work for, for three days yep. and we'll work cows for three days. It doesn't always work out like that when you're trying to go away showing and different stuff, but yeah. that's sort of how we do it. And that way, I think it's fair to the horse, you know, to have three days in a row on sort of the one thing. Yeah. You know, rather than doing chopping and changing all the time and that poor bugger getting confused at what you want. Yeah. So, obviously, in Australia, we've got probably, you know, more of the stock horse lines that probably get a little bit hot in a certain sense. Um, what's the process you go through to keep your horses cool and in a relaxed manner going around without getting a bit too heated up about it? I just do a lot of stuff slow. Yeah. A lot of stuff slow. Um, yeah. <laughs> But at the same time, you know, you've got to rattle the hood every now and then and see what you got. Yeah. Otherwise, if you do all your stuff slow at home, you come to a horse show where you have to go fast, things will come apart. Yeah. So, yeah, but but kind of, you know, um, one of the great old sayings was go go home and apologize to them and do do a lot of slow stuff. You right, know? yeah. Yeah, that's sort of how we approach that. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess it comes down to a lot of your timing, you know, when you, you know, even though your blood's up, if your timing's still right, yep. you know, you should should be able to keep in time with that horse and not upset him too much, really. Yeah, hopefully. That's, hopefully. that's the plan. Yeah, hopefully. Doesn't always work like that. No. Especially in this game. No. Um, like they, they were saying in the, in the drafting is, um, oh, well, I don't want to say it, but um, chicken one day, feather dust the next, penthouse to the shithouse type deal. Yeah, my word. Yeah. My word. It's a pretty good humbling sport. <laughs> Any of this stuff with cows and horses is, is extremely humbling yeah, yeah um yeah no definitely so just go into a little bit talk a little bit more about going from a cutting going from the herd work because for anyone out there the cow horse has three sections a rain pattern and then they've got to go down the fence and then they've also got to go work out of a herd obviously a lot of that's contradictory in a sense talk about a little bit how that you separate that yeah i mean your horse your herd horse has to have a lot of draw yep. whereas the reining horse everything's forward even their stops are forward yeah you know um yeah it's the 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 thing i guess that helps it the most is just separating the separating the training down to you know we're working on the reining yeah it's a lot of forward um but i think if you got your horse broke and and can accept training, accept being helped. That's the, probably the more important than anything. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, but yeah, that's it's really, really tricky yep. to do three events and have one really have a lot of draw in the cutting and then step in front of his front legs going into turnarounds. And, yep, yep. Um, and I guess I try to keep my horses a lot straighter in in the rain work than yeah you know whereas when working a cow we can't have them bendy and wiggly and try and keep them straight in the raining yeah yeah that's helped me anyway um 
don't know if it's right or not, but that's sort of how I approach it. Yeah. Oh well, it's you know just watching off this weekend. It's it's certainly a tricky, very tricky sport to get right to get all three right to have your horse mentally prepared for do, to do all three of them. Yeah. Definitely. If you know, I mean, last year, uh, my rainwork scores were better. Yeah. Than than any other event. And I went home and thought, well, I've got to improve my herd work and I've got to improve my down the fence. And so it kind of swapped. All my fence work scores have been, that's kind of been my better event this year. And the other events haven't been as good. So it's a real balancing act. Yeah. It's a real balancing act. And I guess that's what kind of intrigues me about it. And It's very difficult to um, achieve perfection in this sport. Oh, you can't. Yeah. I think it's impossible. Yeah. You can't achieve, no, I think that's a, but you've got to aim for it. Yeah. I guess just make each horse as, as best as he can be. Definitely. So you've got five horses here this weekend. How do you go about, obviously you're switching from one another pretty frequently and quickly. What are you doing there to help yourself prepare? Like obviously you're not riding them all the same, but what what sort of cues are you giving yourself for that? We try and the program's the same. Yep. The training program's the same. We just adjust to fit each horse because the horses are all, all so different. Um, you know, they can, you know, I've got three horses here by RS Chisholm and they're all different just because they've got the same sire, but they're all different. Um, yeah, we, you just, um, ride the horse you're on. Yeah. You know, ride, feel what you're dealing with then, fix what you got to fix. If you need to school what you got to school, if you need to. Yeah. And then go and show that horse's strengths and try not to show the judge the weaknesses. Yeah. And they've all got strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. Um, yeah, show to their strengths and Definitely. Yeah. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt this great interview, but I thought we'd just get a quick mention from our great sponsor Camp Draft Training Online. Are you looking to improve yourself in the Camp Draft arena? Well why not? Jump on Camp Draft Training Online to get all the latest tips and hints from some of Australia's leading Camp Draft trainers. These guys will seriously make the difference. Jump on www.teamcto.com.au and find out all the latest methods that will get you into those finals. So, I always found when I've done this sport before, like, it's quite eerie and a bit um, daunting going into just that one arena that arena by yourself like it's not like a cutting where you walk in there's lopers and you turn back help and yeah you can kind of hide in the crowd yeah or or even a camp draft you know there's people everywhere but in that cow horse there's you're in the arena you're by yourself you've got that judge looking at you what are you sort of i I find a lot of horses get a lot you know a bit antsy and nervous themselves is that maybe because the rider talk a little bit about that how you prepare if 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 horses are getting antsy they just need to i guess come and get shown more yeah um but yeah that happens um you're riding into that pen you're the only one there the whole crowd's watching you just try to shut all that out and concentrate on what you got to do yeah um yeah don't even worry about it i guess we all do worry about it it's that's just part of it but yeah if you're in there worried about the crowd or anything but your job or you know you're not going to be successful at what you're doing yeah um and yeah if the horses are kind of getting antsy or upset about being in there by themselves i guess just keep on going and showing them yeah yep. get them past it so what how does your mental preparation start from the is it from the front gate when you leave home or 
take, walk us a bit through your mental prep. Just go show your horse, I guess. We just come here and um, you, you can get uh, you can get caught because you know we're running different patterns here, and that can fry your brain trying to learn different patterns and um, you know this many horses. And but yeah, just try and take it one step at a time. Yeah, don't overthink it. I think you know. I'm a bugger for overthinking stuff and I'm yep. worrying if everything's right. Yeah. But it hasn't done me any good. Yeah. Yeah, just try and keep it simple. Yeah. So you've got five horses here. So, you know, sometimes things go wrong and it might even go on your first horse that it went wrong. How do you make sure that doesn't affect you for your next couple of runs? That's, you just got to get rid of it, let it go. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to let it go. Otherwise, it'll wreck your whole day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that's yeah, a big part of showing a lot of horses is yeah, step off and get on the next one and try and have a clear mind and go concentrate and go show that one. Yeah, yeah. So well, that seems to be the common theme. Like, if if you're not emotionally, if you, it's hard not to be emotionally oh, attached. Yeah. Oh yeah. But it's sort of the secret to it, isn't it? A little bit. Yeah, and I'll be the first to say oh, I haven't got it figured out. <laughs> but that's kind of that's what I try to do is is you know if I have a bad run I'll piece of moan for a couple of minutes about that and then just get off and get on the next one yeah so, yeah well you, you certainly see those guys at the show you know the yourself included but you know if they have a bad run it it's not their be all and end all they cert you certainly come out and it on the new horse or the new run and it's you know all right we've we stuffed up but let's get back to yeah, where yeah. Get yeah, on the next one and, and you know what it's easy to get frustrated if things don't go to plan because we put so much into it and it doesn't matter if it's cutting drafting what any of the any sport even you put so much effort into it and you want to do so well and if things don't go right well yeah you're not uh you're not going to be over the moon yeah yeah um so take a deep breath yeah and i'm constantly working on that with myself yeah. it's a constant battle yeah just take a deep breath and go again yeah yeah, and that's kind of a part of why I show so many horses. We talk about this a lot. People ask me, you show, obviously, it's not a lot of horses compared to what a lot of the guys in the cutting, they'll rock up with 15 or 20 head. Yeah. Um, but And we're only rocking up with five and talking about showing a lot of horses, but yeah. Yeah. Well, on that, how long how long does it take each day to ride a cow horse compared to, say, a, a cutter or something? Um, you could spend a lot of time riding a cow horse if you want to try and make everything perfect. Yeah. Um, you could spend a lot of time out there, but I think a horse only has a limited amount of time. And um, you can really get something done. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we ride quite a few horses in a day at home, and but we don't spend hour, an hour out there schooling on horses to get them to do everything just right. We get something done. And move on. Yeah, yeah. You know, Definitely. so I, I, you can't put a time limit on it as far as how many minutes does it take, how long's a piece of string. But, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, we don't spend hours and hours on them. That's for sure. Yeah. You could if you <laughs> if you let yourself get in that situation. I've rode with guys, particularly that train reining horses, that you spend a lot, a lot of time on them horses because that's they've got to do that one event and they've got to make all those manoeuvres so precise and that takes a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yep definitely talk us a little bit through the progression of a cow horse through it's through the bridle like through the three-year-old year where it's in a snaffle to the yeah, bosal yeah. and so on just talk us through that from the beginning well 
the, the, the snaffle bit deal, I think we're all really familiar with that in Australia. Yeah. Because that's kind of being an English riding based culture. Mm. That's real familiar to most of us. Um, the, the, the Hackamore stage, that's kind of the most intriguing thing to me because that's, I'm very passionate about that. Um, so just take it back a bit. So these horses are started in the snaffle. Started in a snaffle. And yeah. they'll keep that tool. How old are they till they finish? Well, you, 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 we obviously go through your futurities at three year old. Yeah. And, um, you know, they'll have derby events for, for in the cow horse. It's for four and five year olds. Yeah. Uh, and you can either show them in a snaffle or a hackamore. Yeah. Um, but once a horse is, is six year old, you've got to show them one handed yep. in a two rein or a bridle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. And so just talk a little bit about the Hackamore sides of things. I, I love the Hackamore deal because you you can't, it, it'll really uh, bring out where you haven't got your horse broke enough. Yep. Because you get on there and you can cover a lot of stuff up with a snaffle and you'll get on with a Hackamore and go, oh, whoa, I didn't have that good enough. So yep. that's, yeah, you've got to use your brain. You can't muscle them around in that. Yeah. You know, if you try muscling them around in a Hackamore, it's not going to last very long. Right, right. And so what's the process with, are you just doing, um, you know, more of it at home? Yeah, just do it at home. If you've got them broken a snaffle, it's a, you know, it's not that big a deal to just put, to put a hackamore on them and, and yep. go ride them. And you just, yeah, go back and do a lot of slow stuff, a lot of one rein at a time yep. with a hackamore. Yeah. What about working a cow and hackamore? How do you find that? Um, if, if the horse knows how to work a cow in a snaffle. Yeah. They'll work a cow in a hackamore as long as you've got them broke in hackamore. Like you, you won't just shove a hackamore on a horse and go work a cow and expect them to understand if you need to help them. You just got to get them broke to it first. Yeah, I think so. It's not that big a transition really if the horse knows how how to do it. Knows how to handle it. Yeah, knows how to work a cow. Yeah. Put a piece of wood in his mouth if you want. They'll still go work a cow. Yeah. But you, they've just got to understand that it's a totally different feel. Yeah. Accepting help. Yeah. Well, that's a big thing in this sport to accept help for, yep. and not and have a mutual respect between you two but a, co- a confidence level that horse that he'll know that you are just helping him yep would you say yep yeah i would I, I'd, I'd agree with that they've got to accept help and and not be frightened you know not be frightened of you you pulling on them and helping them and yeah they've just got to accept it and um i think uh Spud Sheehan told me once that they've got to have enough cow in the horse to cover your mistakes and they've got to have enough handle so you can cover theirs. Yeah. And um, that that was just a perfect explanation. Yep, yep. That is, yeah, that is spot on. <laughs> yeah, really. Because, um, you know, I'd asked lots of different guys about, because there was always the talk of... Um, you know, you don't get your cutting horses too broke because I'll think about you and not the cow. And yeah, that's, that's, oh, geez, that's been a struggle, you know, because you'll feel something and you'll pull on them and they'll be thinking about you and not thinking about the cow. So I asked him about that and that was his, that was his response. And I thought, well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So then, uh, you were sat just moving forward again with the, from the hackamore or from the two rein hand, you go show one hand in yep. a bridle. Yep. Talk us through that process. Well, I tell you what, I think most of us in Australia are learning that. Yeah. Because there's not a lot of fellas out there that that do it much. Yep. Um, there, there's some really, really good hands, but we're all sort of learning, I think, learning how to do it and we'll continue forever to learn, but 
um, it's yeah, it's pretty cool. It's yeah. a pretty cool goal to have. Like you put them in the two rain after the hackamore stage, and and you can split your reins in the two rain with the small hackamore under the bridle. Right. Um, and you can show them for one year in the two rain, and then you've got to show them straight up in the bridle. And um, it's you know it's quite a bit different too. Yeah. You know it's it's uh, been quite education this last sort of twelve months, showing trying to show horses in the bridle and yeah. Um, not being able to help them with that direct rain and yeah, it must be difficult. It's 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 tricky, but I guess the further I go, it the more I learn that that horse has to know his job. Yeah. So there again, he's got to have enough cow to cover my mistakes. He's got to know his job. Yeah. So it's definitely a difficult process to do, and I guess it's not a part of our heritage to ride in no, that bit. No. So it's going to be difficult for us here for a little bit, I yeah, guess. Yeah. Well, like I said earlier, we're a snaffle bit culture. Two yeah. hands. You know, unless you're playing polo cross, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, two hand culture. So, but yeah, anyway, it's it's really interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting to um, to to watch them good guys do that, and how light they can get their horses, and how broken, how yeah, it's just a fascinating. Yeah, definitely fascinating thing. Well, I've never really watched it on in in the flesh, but obviously watching it online and everything, and it it really is a credit to those guys that have those horses that broke and that j- relaxed to do their job yep it's a big credit to them yeah they're, they're quite incredible yeah <laughs> we're we're hate to say it but we are we're a long way behind as far as that goes but you know we gotta we gotta start it somewhere again and um yeah we'll keep keep moving forward keep learning and hopefully get more people interested in in the, the rain cow horse yeah you know i think it's a great addition to the you know the Australian horse sports just because you know we don't need a thousand head of cattle to run a horse show. Yeah, yep. Especially in this drought. Yeah. When there's no cattle anywhere, um, you know we can still run a horse show with, you know, two truckloads of cattle. Yeah. You know we can cut cut the same cattle that we go down the fence on. Yeah, yeah. Because that is part. That is a legitimate rule. That's the a rule. Cows are. Yep. Cows that are used for cutting can go yep. down the fence. Yep, and that's 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 how you big help. Yep, that's how you get uh, get to where you don't need those huge numbers of cattle to do it. So, what would be your advice to someone who wants to start out doing the cow horse training or, or um, cow horse events, but not sure where to go? Just come and have a go. Yep, they've got everywhere. It doesn't matter who runs the show. At, at this show, they've got that amateur classes or, or the 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 boxing classes at, at other shows they'll have the beginners where you can I know at the Central West Cow Horse uh, they run a beginner class where they'll run a simple youth high school rodeo reining pattern yep um, where it's got simple lead changes one circle it's really elementary so it's not intimidating and then you can go work the flag yep so uh, there's there's classes everywhere to can cater for everybody and we can all get a little intimidated trying something new but i would just say to anybody that just come and have a go yeah this that what's so cool about this is that everybody helps everybody yeah you know and we just want to see people come and have fun yeah and there is plenty of trainers in this sport that are more than happy to take courses or give lessons or just help out isn't there everybody's happy to help yeah absolutely happy to help and just go and come say good day <laughs> you know yeah come say good day and um get amongst it yeah, I just can't encourage everybody enough, really. Yep. Um, and and I think a lot of people find it 
even if there's, there's drafts in particular getting run, they get put in a waiting list. Yeah. That's a, a big thing you see on social media. That's a big lot of talk at the moment is, is not being able to get in. I've entered for five drafts and been on the waiting list. Well, you know what? Come and give this a go. Yeah. At least come, give you somewhere to go. Yeah, give you a goal. You still get to work a cow. Yeah. You don't travel five hours and get the stick in the yard, which we've all done. Oh, my word. Uh, you get to come and you run your raining pattern and you work a cow. And you know what? If the cow's too stingy, a lot of times the judge will blow the whistle and give you another cow. Yeah. You know. D- definitely a bit more, bit more of a chance to have a go anyway. You, 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 that's it. You get a go. Yeah. You, you do get a go. Um, and, and that's what's, you know, another reason this, this sport's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, we certainly do believe it's going to take off here in Australia again. I think these guys, are, well, all the people out there running shows are doing great, great job with it, and it's a credit to them. And yeah, we just hope to see it grow. Yeah, I think it will. Yeah, well, I think it will. It's it's the seed sown now from from everybody doing it, but getting more and more interest. Yep. The people running shows are doing a great job. And uh, perfect. Yeah. Well, Quinton, thanks for catching up with us on the 90 or Nothing podcast show. It's been a real pleasure catching up with the Cow Horse member and we really enjoy exploring this sport and we sure hope it takes off. Oh, you're welcome. I really appreciate you asking me to be on here. Like I said earlier, you've had guests on here that are just some incredible horsemen and women and and very very interesting people and and i'm very humbled that you asked me to come on here thank you very much we're very glad to have you thanks quentin right thanks baxter well guys that's the interview with quentin stapleton thanks mate a big shout out to you we really do appreciate you coming in and sitting down with us at at the finals it was just great catching up with you mate my three little takeaways today well number one Quinton is extremely passionate about the cow horse sport. He's very dedicated and just loves it and I was enjoyed very much sitting down with him talking horses. It was absolutely fantastic. My second one was Quinton is very humble about it. He's very dedicated and very good at the sport and is really trying to push it and promote it as much as I can. I just thought he did a really good job over the weekend watching him. My third one for today is Quinton was extremely encouraging. He just wants everyone to have a go, talk about it as much as they can, and do the best that they can possibly do on that day. It was just great to sit down with someone who's that passionate and that encouraging of the great sport. Well, guys, that's going to do it for this week's episode. We really hope you enjoyed it. We certainly always look forward to producing the next episode for the 90 or Nothing podcast show. So be sure to jump on Facebook or Instagram and give us a message. Send us an email to admin at 90 We'd love to hear from you. Till next week, guys, we'll see you then.